Ronananian. I don't know if we don't want to face auto repair or we're just afraid of it. Ah, you know, we got by with this and my dad did this and this is how it used to work and this is how it's going to work. But the problem is, you know, it's it's just not going to last for long. The car doctor. Does this vehicle have a steering coupling? Because what you're describing is a rusted or tight U-joint coupling. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, is this your first time getting your car fixed at a repair shop, I mean? You know, is it something that you've just never experienced before because all of a sudden your mechanic retired and now you've got to go find a new mechanic? Oh, my God, the drama, the agony. We're going to talk about how to get over that and a whole bunch more this hour right here on The Car Doctor. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go to Sal in Virginia, 59 Caddy, 59 Caddy, and uh, a ticking sound. Sure, nothing like starting off the hour with something easy. How are you, Sal? Welcome to the show. Good. How you doing, Ron? Good, sir. All right. Tell yeah, me So I got it. my uh, car in my dreams. I drove it back from Aspen, Colorado, all the way to Virginia. Oh, Cool. Uh, went on a road trip with my son. Anyway, so I've wanted that for 30 years. Well, well let's not it. gloss over that. Wait, uh, look, wait, wait, back up a second. Look how yeah. cool that is, right? <laughs> uh, 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 how old is your son? 15. I guarantee you, all right, that he'll remember that for the rest of his life. It, you know, above everything else, he'll, he'll remember the time he, he drove home from Aspen, Colorado, um, you know, back to Virginia with Dad and the 59 Caddy. And then that Caddy will become his car, and then it'll pass down. You've created a family tradition, whether you realize it or not. And that's just great. Well, I can't tell you how well, great that is. That's just... Thanks. We had a lot of fun. I think the craziest thing was, or the, the scariest, but I don't know if you know anything about Independence Pass. Yeah. There's a place that's like 14,000 feet, so that thing's carbureted. So right. I had to pull it's, over and change out their metering rods. I'm right. <laughs> yeah, because it's 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 you're up so high, it runs out of air, um, uh, if I remember right. If uh, that, That's right. Yeah. So that, it was the, the mixture. Yeah, the mixture goes off. So, But uh, anyway, why are, you, why are you here today? What can I do for you? How can I help? Well, I mean, like I said, it made it across the country, so it can't be that bad. But right. uh, yeah, like I said, but it basically it did this all the way back, and it just scared the heck out of me the entire trip. But it's basically you get it up to speed. Um, you know, on the interstate, you're flying down the road. You're, it's okay. The carburetor's been changed out on it. It's a 1406 Eldebrock, and they got a spark box on it. Right. Uh, it's also got an electric fuel pump. Uh, Eight-cylinder, eight of course. Anyway, it, it just it's not a really a knocking. It's not really a ticking. But when, you, when you get up to high speed, and then, then I can hear it, you know, when, when you slow down, it's like, a, it's like a clacking or something in the engine. And, uh, you know, it scares the heck out of me, but eventually it stops. But the thing is, it's like when you have it on the, the highway, that's, that's, you know, it seems like that's what does it. So I, I just don't know what's going on. Like I said, I don't know, you know what's going on or, you know, how much, you know, how much highway driving I should do before I know what's going on. Well, so, so what you're really describing is you've got a ticking or a knocking or a, well, not maybe not a knock, maybe knock is a harsh word, but you've got a ticking or a tapping sound coming out of the engine. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, right. now you don't hear it at highway speed. What's your definition of highway speed? So, well, that's anywhere. Well, anyway, I tell you what, I try to keep it around 60 because I guess that kept scaring me. But, you know, I, I had it up to 70, had it up to 80, 
you know, because, you know, coming back across the country, those speeds are, you know, pretty high. But maybe even head up to 85. And, and there's no, like, you know, I don't hear, like, the engine, like, oh, my God, something's going to happen. Right. But it just, um, and you don't even really hear it. And even when you're revving it, like, if you're just in your driveway revving it, even when it's warmed up, there's no noise. So then, so I'm just trying to understand the noise is there at higher speeds versus lower speeds, or is it the well, other I way around? What, I, tell you, I really can't hear it at the higher speeds, but I start to hear it when I come down off the interstate. Like I don't hear anything when I'm in, in my even if I put the windows down and try to really listen. I think it may be there, but it's not like uh, it's not overbearing or anything. I mean, it's so when so when exactly do you hear it? When I come down off the interstate and I can hear like the other cars next to me, I can kind of hear it bouncing off their car, the noise, like that ticking, like that. that uh, Do you hear it at clacking. idle when you're when you're sitting there at idle? If I keep it local and I don't get on the interstate, I can rev it up. I can drive it around. I can do 45 around neighborhoods and all. I don't hear it at all. You don't hear it at all. Okay. No. If you put it on a lift obviously a hoist lift and drive the car at 40 then 45 then 50 then 60 do you hear the noise well i've never done that all right so that would be one i'd want to know is it related to load is it related to speed i'm trying to discern which is which do you have a mechanical pressure gauge did they did they add any extra gauges to this vehicle i just i just last week i put an oil pressure gauge on it and it seems because i also have a 63 caddy and the pressure is around 30 and then it goes down to about 15, which seems about the same as the 63. Right. But I would I would expect oil pressure to rise as engine speed goes up, not go down. When I rev it, it goes up to about uh, the highest when it goes around 30. Okay. So you're saying it starts at 15 and goes to 30. Oh, no, no. When you start, no, no. It goes down to 15 once you're, you know, once you're warmed up and you're idling. But no, in the, in the beginning, when you start it right up, you're at about 30. Right. But then once it's warmed up and you're driving down the road when the ticking occurs. Okay. I haven't actually got it on the highway since I put the oil uh, pressure gauge on there. Okay. But, uh, because that's what I want to know. Listen, think, okay. of it, think of it like this. If you went to the dark doctor and said, Doc, I'm okay walking, but as soon as I start running, my heart starts to pound, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's under duress, and I can't figure out what's wrong with me, he's going to want to look at you from the perspective of what's going on under those conditions. So that's what you've got to do. All right. Okay. If if you get this if you get this up to sixty, which I'm sure is fairly easy to do, and pop it into neutral, does the ticking is the ticking still there? Engine speed is yes, down. Yes, it is actually. Yes, it is, and that that is actually that's the I actually have done that on the way back. I did do. That. I put it in neutral so I can hear it. Right. And I so, put my head out the window when I was hearing it. Yeah. And I want to. So I want to know. So if you can hear it, okay. So then follow my argument. If you can hear okay. it at idle, coasting down the road at sixty, but you can't hear it at idle sitting in front of your house with it warmed up, it's got to be speed-related, not engine load-related. Right? All right. So at that point, is it, you know, is it a rock and a tire? Not to make this simple, because you would think you should hear that cruising down at slower speeds, too. But that's why I say, you know, can we can we duplicate it up in the air? At least if we can hear it up in the air on a lift, it would be easier for someone... You know, the car's running up on the lift. It's making the sound. Tick, 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 tick. Walk around. Is it front? Is it back? Is it underneath? Is it up top? At least it gives you a direction pointed towards, if you follow my drift. And See, I, if I, I drive it on the interstate, if I come back, I put it in my driveway, I'll hear it. And it'll scare me. I was like, well, is this going to stick around? And then all of a sudden, then it stops. And then the idle goes back to normal, and it's fine. 
Okay. I was wondering if it was an, it was a fuel air mixture problem. Maybe the carburetor is not quite right no, for that particular you know, engine. I don't know. Without hearing it, you know, a mechanical yeah. noise is a mechanical noise. Right. Now, you know, not remembering fifty nine caddies that well because it wasn't it was a little bit before yesterday. Um, okay. Is there any type of a mechanical level ride or air ride pump on this vehicle for the suspension? And whether it was their factory or whether there has somebody modified something and added something to it. So it's a pretty generic 59. There's no like bells or whistles on it. Right. There's no wear condition. I, I remember no 59s were pretty basic, but again, did, did somebody modify something and add something to this? That you know we right. we we forget that fifty nine was you know almost seventy years ago, a lot of a lot of things have transpired since then. Did somebody put a level ride compressor on this? An air suspension you may not be aware of, and it's a it's a ticking level ride pump. I mean, and, and again, I could be I could be way out in the left field here. I'm just trying to point out that don't assume that what you're hearing is a stock fifty nine caddy worn out part kind of a sound. Uh, uh, assume the impossible. And once you eliminate that, then the obvious will be all that's left. All right. Well, I got one more question for you because I'm Real sure you got to go. Yeah. Do you think that the spark box could be malfunctioning? If it's got an MSD spark box or an MSD, I know they put an MSD distributor in there. You think maybe the spark could could that be possible? Yeah, but to the point that what it's making the engine knock, it's it's creating a spark knock type of sound under load. Something like that. I mean, like along those lines. It's possible. Um. But, you know, the difference between – but you said you heard it cruising at idle, or you said you heard it in idle with the car cruising at speed. That's right. You did say that. I did, yeah. So if it's there, then, you know, it, it, it wouldn't matter at that point. So I would think no. I'll tell you one thing, though. You're, you're saying this has an MSD spark box mounted to the firewall? Yeah. I'd throw that away. <laughs> um, Get it out of there. I, I really would. I'd, I'd go find a stock 59 Cadillac distributor, put a set of points in it, or something else aftermarket that'll work, and there's got to be something better, more reliable than that. I've got MSD stuff in the hot rod, and every couple of years I'm putting distributors in because of the problems I have. Uh, well, actually, I take that, but yeah, with the MSD stuff, um, I just don't see it holding up well on the street, uh, my experience. So I, you know, I'm basing it off of that, so... I would tell you, okay. you know, a 59 Caddy is like a 55 Chevy. Mechanical, basic, simple. And um, I would tell you that you're better off doing it that way. Call me back when you find out. I'm curious what the tick, tick, tick is. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Hey, hey, you know, it's just uh, two weeks away. We're going to be down there, Virginia Beach, November 16th at the Virginia Beach Convention Center for the uh, Coastal Virginia Auto Show put on by AM790 WNIS News Talk down there, courtesy of Sinclair Communications. So we're looking forward to that. We're doing a live broadcast down there from the show floor, 2 to 4 p.m. on Saturday and uh, surrounded by antiques, hot rods, classics, motorcycles. The Hooter girls are going to be there, um, which is why we're not bringing Tom, because you know how Tom is. He, he can't control himself. 
And, uh, you know, this axe throwing. Another, maybe we should bring Tom. Tom, let me throw the axe. I'll, you know, I should bring Tom for that. I bet you, Tom, I can probably learn axe throwing. Yeah, let's see. How hard could that be? But uh, we're looking forward to that just two weeks away. Yeah, Only Tom. if we can bring Mike and I throw the axe at him. Well, I was thinking of throwing the axe at the two of you, but then there'd be no show, so that wouldn't really work. But uh, should be a good time. November 16th, if you're in Virginia, if you're at the Virginia Beach Convention Center, uh, we look forward to seeing everybody as uh, we put out a live broadcast uh, reporting on the show's events. Let's get over to Richard in New Jersey. O2 Isuzu. And some questions about cylinder heads leaking oil. Richard, how are you, sir? You realize this car is 18 years old, right? Yes, but the problem occurred uh, after the vehicle was only about two to three years old. Okay. And, I still and have the vehicle. And, and what's the I, issue? I was just curious as to what your thoughts were about why the repair could never be done. And and uh, they kept telling me that there was nothing wrong with the cylinder head. So the vehicle had about 45,000 miles on it. The engine was performing perfectly fine. It had never been it never overheated. There were never any malfunctions with the vehicle, and I just happened to notice that uh, it was not dripping on my driveway. I just stuck my head under the uh, uh, vehicle one day, and I saw that the entire left side uh, was uh, coated with oil and was going over the transmission. And so uh, it was under warranty. I brought it to an Azusa dealer at that time, and uh, they corroborated what I said. And uh, they took it apart, and they took the cylinder head off. And it was only leaking oil, not coolant. And they said they couldn't find anything wrong with it. And so they put it back together again with the new... uh, gasket, and um, I asked for the old parts at the time, and I remember if my memory serves me, I believe that it was a very unusual design. It reminded me of uh, two pages in a book, and maybe I'm wrong in terms of my memory on that issue, but they put it back together again. They said there was nothing else wrong. Another 20,000 miles went by, and uh, it started to leak again. I took it to a different Azusa dealer at that time. And uh, they told me that the reason why it was happening the second time was because when the original repair was made, uh, since it's an aluminum engine, aluminum block and heads, that the first dealer did not use new head bolts. And uh, that was the reason why it happened the second time. They repaired it again a second time with presumably new head bolts, and it happened again a third time. It was still under warranty, and the vehicle was performing perfectly fine, and the consumption of oil was not really excessive. It was just there, this problem. And then they so repaired was it, it a Richard, third was time. It, Richard, was it, was it leaking the oil or, or consuming the oil? Leaking the oil. Okay. Out of the valve cover gasket or between the head and the block? Well, between the cylinder head and the block. Okay. So when they did the repair, did they do any sort of machine work? And we have to guess a little bit here. Obviously, this is 15 years ago. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I remember it very well because I, because I, this, this happened three times, and they, they checked. They said they sent the cylinder head to three different machine shops to check and make sure that it was not warped. And they said it wasn't warped, and nobody could ever tell me why this had occurred, and I suggested to them perhaps the block was not true. Exactly so. Did anybody check the block? No, they didn't. They, they, they said that they put a, uh, a plane on it, and they, you know, but it was never in a machine shop. They never pulled the engine out of the, out of the vehicle. Right. So it was just a cylinder head. Right. And so I was curious about what your thoughts were about that as to... Um, every, everything we just said, I would I would think, first of all, we have to have the conversation, you know, what's what's the skill level set of the technician working on it? And I'm not going to say the technician did right or wrong, but, you know, if, if, if the car's not put back together and the repair's not holding up, we've, did somebody miss a step? Did somebody not torque something properly? Not replacing head bolts. If a Suzu required head bolts to be replaced, and it stated that in the service manual, and I've seen... 
a couple of cases on aluminum head and block situations where they call for that. They, you know, the head bolts once they're unsprung, they've they're sprung. Use fresh ones. I get that. That's a clamp load issue. Um, yeah, it's going to come down to either assembly or it's going to come down to how was the block prepped or how was the block checked for square. And it, you know, it it it's as simple as that. I mean, no more, no less. Uh, you know, if they can't get it to seal. Are now, you familiar? Are you familiar with the design issue with the uh, the gasket, the cylinder head gasket? Yeah, it was a, it was a two or a three part gasket. It was it was it was real thin. I remember looking at it the first time I saw one. That it, I said to myself, you know, it, it almost reminded me of a, a blade of grass between your thumbs when you were high school, when you were a kid in school. You'd blow mm-hmm. air. You'd, you'd get it to shrill and you know make noise because it just it was a multi layered um, uh, head gasket. For lack, it wasn't it wasn't a solid one piece gasket. And if memory serves me correct, before Isuzu left the market, they reverted a couple of model years later to a solid one-piece gasket design because of the problematic nature of those. So, you know, there's a lot this could be. This could be head gasket. This could be blocked. This could be, um, you know, just in the way the tech was assembling it. Do you still have the car today? I, 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 I do. And uh, it's drivable, and it does, again, you know, use some oil. It's not burning it. It's, it's just... It makes a mess over the transmission because when you're driving, the wind blows the uh, the the oil backwards. And uh, so I was just curious as to uh, you know what your thoughts were. About I, I mean, I'll tell you this: I would never take it apart because I would almost be willing to bet you couldn't find parts for that if your life depended on it. Right. I'm just using the vehicle, and it's otherwise running fine. And the other question I had very quickly about cylinder head gaskets is: why do the boxer engines on the Imprezas and the Subaru models? Uh, why do they? Why do they tear up cooling? Why do they tear up head gaskets? Yeah, I if mean, you, is, if is you that talk, the inherent design of the boxer engine, or is I don't think it's the boxer engine. I think it's the way. I think it's the material Subaru is using to make their head gaskets out of. I also think it's the type of material that they're, or not the type of material, but I believe it's got to do with the type of coolant that's being applied. If you follow Subaru at all, you'll see that they're changing their coolant. Um, I believe they changed it from the green to the blue or the blue to the green somewhere around model year 2008-2009. Subaru is so worried about cooling system contamination that they're actually calling for no cooling system service. I think it's 10 years, 100,000 miles because they're worried about contamination from the machine from previous flushes that might have been done with different coolants. But that's a very long conversation. Richard, I appreciate the call. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. This car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic, why it's a greased lightning. And you know, the other thing to think about, Ron and the car doctor, by the way, um, Richard, if you're out there still listening, is the one mistake the dealership made with regard to the Subaru, I'm sorry, with the uh, Suzu um, cylinder head repair, was they sent it out to three different repair shops. Why would you take a problem? The first, it didn't work. Let it go back to the first. You know, if it was a doctor, wouldn't you let the doctor, hey, like look at the patient. Why didn't the heart medicine work? Why didn't the blood pressure drop? Like what, we're going to keep changing doctors midstream? To have a to have three different re, to have three different machine shops look at a cylinder head and neither, they didn't want to stick their head in the noose and, and be caught with the problem. But I'd be willing to bet that that was a fault with the block itself, not the cylinder head so much. So, um, Frank in New Mexico. How are you today, Frank? What's going on? 
Oh, hi, Ron. Great show as always. Thank uh, you, sir. Regarding the previously discussed uh, snap-on diagnostic scanner, the 2500, the old brick. Right. Okay, there are plenty of them on eBay and they, with accompanying pictures of gobs of cables and adapters, but no one ever lists or pictures the manuals. Should I chase down a snap-on truck or... You could. I mean, the, uh, I have bought from them over the phone. But you, you know, you, you could. I mean, the manuals really aren't going to tell you all that much. A, a lot of it's right there in the tool. Uh, I will tell you really? this. Uh, yeah. Un, un, unfortunately, I just, I just, I just threw out a lot of my manuals, Frank. I would have been glad to mail them to you. Um, you know. So still, it's that that intuitive the tool that it's sort of self-explanatory. Yeah, it's a, huh? it's, it's a yes/no proposition. You might even find some YouTube videos out there. I don't, I don't know how far back Snap-on would go, but I wouldn't be afraid to get out to. You know, they've got their website. You'd go out to Snap. I think it's Snap-on.diagnostics.com. They've got a separate website for their diagnostics. And I know there's an 800 number somewhere for customer support. And I would call them up and say, hey, listen, I bought an old brick, and I'm looking to get a, a copy of a set of manuals. Is there anything I can download, or could somebody email them to me in PDF? I'm sure that could be done. Why not? And, um, well, I mean, that's, I, that's a good idea. I, I have talked to them over the phone before, and they're very helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, as a, as, as, a, as a company, as a company, we like Snap-on. Stuff's not cheap, but you know what? You get good customer service. You get good follow-up. It's like anything else. You get what you pay for. It's, uh, you know, Snap-on is is sort of like having a cheeseburger at a steakhouse. It's the best of the best. It's, you know, um, yeah. okay. uh, you know it's worth doing. Okay, so, you but, answered uh, my question. Thank all right, you. Sir, enjoy the tool. You're welcome. Um, talking about getting into a repair shop the first time, right? You, you kind of go in there, and it's like a, like a, you know, and you can always tell, as a shop owner, I can always tell when somebody's walking into a repair shop. I mean, I sort of know who they are by the last name, but you can always tell when somebody's nervous. We had somebody walk in. Um, Juliana walked in on Tuesday with her 2013 Chevy Malibu, and I could tell she was nervous. First of all, she's a woman. Women are nervous walking into a repair shop. They are. It's 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 unfortunately it's it's the way a lot of the industry treats them. And, you know, it's, I always, not that I talk down to anybody, but I always make sh extra special, I talk to her, right? You always want to talk to somebody, but you kind of always try to talk a little bit harder to, to a woman, especially a first-timer. And you could see that the lack of conception of, of, of what is involved in the repair and what she's used to, you know, I, I how did you find us? And, and I thought it was interesting because I don't, I, I hear this more and more. I don't hear the old tried and true. You know, in the old days, you wanted, you'd ask your neighbor. But a lot of people of late, everything is done off social media, right? We looked on Yelp. We looked on Google reviews. We looked on, you know, best they Google search best auto repair shop, and somehow I come up. I can't figure that out. Um, shows you what Google and Yelp know. But um, that seems to be the barometer. And I don't say that that's gospel, but I guess it's a good start. The other thing is when you walk into a repair shop for the first time, how are you treated? How are you greeted? All right. Do they, you know, do they talk down to you? Do they talk at you? Do they explain things? Do they offer options? Uh, you know, I always try to offer somebody the option the first time in of you can fix it this way. You can fix it that way because it's important. A, 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 an established customer generally in a lot of repair shops will hand you the keys and just say, fix it. 
and they don't want the phone call. You're wasting their time. Just fix it. They trust you. They know you. They, 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 you know, at this point they've been coming to you for so long. They know the name of your kids and the name of your kids' dogs. All right. But you know, when you get a first timer, it's very important that you're talked to and you're explained and things are in writing and most important. And, and this is how you'll know if you've got a good repair shop that they not only give you a list of what's to come, but they solve your problem. I've always said this for the longest time. You know what? I, I look at a car like Juliana's car. It needed, there's a half a dozen things we didn't fix that it's going to need that are coming due, but we made it safe. But more importantly, we fixed her original problem and complaint she came in with, which she thought was in the brakes and the way the vehicle operated in the stability track. And it had a bad ignition coil on number two cylinder. I diagnosed the running problem and put a coil in it and fixed it. And that's probably the, the most important thing, um, you know. And then you got to get into well. Then we'll we'll go. We'll take a call. Um, I'll come back. I'll I'll tell you my, my final thoughts on picking a repair shop. Let's get over to Maury in Maine, fifteen Civic, and um, some questions about spark plugs. Yes, Maury. Yes, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. Uh, we spoke uh, before about oil usage and um, mileage between changes. Okay. The computer in the car is telling me I should replace the spark plugs. Okay. I called the dealer and asked about about that and the. Not a four-pack, but one plug is 43 bucks. Okay. I have a trusted mechanic that I've talked to you in the past about. You know, he'll do it for a whole lot less, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting 41 miles per gallon. The car's running great. Should I just keep going? How many, uh, mile, how many miles are on it, Maury? 99,000. Right? I'd change them. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I, right. you know, I, I just would, just because the manufacturer does call for it, um, you know, I would I would at least pull them out and look at them for signs of wear. What are they gapped at? What do they look like? Um, you know, the other question and the concern becomes that when you go to take them out now, can you get them out? They're a steel plug and an aluminum head. If we let it go to the 150,000-mile mark or whatever distance you want to go to, will that steel plug be able to come out of the aluminum head? And does, oh, it get, good point. does it get to be a more expensive repair? The other thing to think about is, even though cars are made better, they can diagnose more. They can, you know, they can tell you where it hurts, so to speak. Is you know the least little misfire at some level, or some inability to have complete combustion, will cause the catalytic converter to work harder. Oh sure. And you know the, the price we save on doing spark plugs you know, will at some point or could at some point create a problem, give the give the catalytic converter an upset stomach. And, uh, you know, a lot of things are interactive today, more so than they were in cars 30, 40, 50 years ago, where we sure. it really counts now. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, and I have this conversation with customers on a regular basis, one of the things we do at an oil change is we're always adding a bottle of fuel system cleaner. And they say, why? And I'll always explain, as I explain here, studies show that fuel system cleaner, the better ones, will, you know, help reduce um, uh, insulation or crud, if I can say it in a non-technical word, on the um, working parts of the catalytic converter, such that it yes, keeps... Yes, I the had not thought about the catalytic converter. Yeah, and, you know, and, I'm on original brakes, too, on the thing. Well, yeah, so listen, I, you'll, I, probably, you'll probably never put rears on it. Civics, I mean, I've seen Civics with 200,000 miles on original rear brakes. Um, but you know, the idea of just maintaining the whole car, it's not just a matter of parts replacement. It's a matter of correct parts replacement. If, uh, if you get my drift and as far as the price of the plug, 
I'd compare it. What's Honda doing at $43 a plug or whatever it is versus the aftermarket? Is it is it a Bosch? Is it a Denso? Is it an NGK? Is it some special Honda-branded, ion-tipped, iridium-tipped, platinum-tipped, whatever it is? Yeah, um, they're, they're iridium-tipped. And I, my trusted mechanical, I spoke to you and gave a real thumbs up to a, when I made a comment once on a previous call about good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. Right. He can do this for a whole lot less than right. what the dealer wants. And he says, I've got it... I think you said NGK. I'm not sure it was NGK that you mentioned. It's either NGK so like or NDs. I'm thinking Nip and Densos. Um, yes, yeah. and they're uh, they're ten bucks a piece. Yeah, I would. I as long as they're the same plug, I have no problem with that at all. So all right, I had Maury. to call him back and ask: Is that a four pack price or is that a one per <laughs> item? <laughs> makes price? you makes you wonder. You know, there's a lot going on out there. It's uh, it's important to know. So, but it's yeah, you it, got me thinking about the catalytic converter too. I had an old Malibu and it was a thousand dollars for a new one. Oh, but, and and I'll tell you what that. That Civic is probably, as a guess, somewhere between twelve and fifteen hundred for a new cat. So you want to take care of it now, so you don't have to take care of it later. So, Maury, I appreciate the call. Good luck, happy motoring. I'm Ron Aining, the Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Let's go over to Steve in Watertown, New York. Steve, you're on with Ron and Aining, the Car Doctor at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. How can I help? Great to talk to you, Ron. Great show. Thank you, sir. You too. Um, yeah, when's the last time you took a Fiero question? Well, let's see. The last time I took a Fiero question was <laughs> which side should the fire department put the fire out with because the connecting rod was hanging out of the cylinder block. But um, that was a while ago. So Yeah, um, so my issue is uh, steering. Obviously, you know, there's no power steering in this. I had one when I was, uh, you know, just out of high school, right. 1988. So I got another one. And uh, I think the steering is quite stiff. Uh I've greased the ball joints. I've looked at everything else. There's not a whole lot of maintenance to the rack itself. It's a sealed unit. Right. Uh, is, there, obviously, is, uh, is there a steering coupling, Steve? Uh, there is, uh, but no grease fittings on that. Okay. Um, have you? There is uh, There is some aftermarket parts. Like There's a plastic bushing in there on the passenger side. That's the only repair part that there really is other than the inner yeah. tie rod. Nah, so I haven't torn it apart, so obviously... Has this car... You, you think this car sat for any length of time? How many miles are on it? Uh, 72, which isn't great. It's been a... You know, it's been a, not a show car, but it's a car, a car show car. Right. Uh, I've owned it for a few years. The previous owner... I'm the third owner. Uh, previous owner used it. You know, it hasn't seen any weather. Okay. Uh, it's in great shape. It's just, you know, a real tight steering. I'm just thinking that... I want to... I like to eliminate simple first. Is yep. is I just wonder if that coupling because that coupling was at U joint style coupling on the outside wasn't it on the firewall side yep. of the yep. right so I'm just wondering if it's rusty on the inside and it's just getting kind of crunchy and tight to turn so I would pack some shop rags around it so you don't make a mess of the whole car and yep. wander down to your local auto parts store and pick yourself up a can of some sort of rust buster PB blaster works well. Um, okay. I, I like that, and just and just soak that coupling, and and, and the reason I say a, a rust buster versus like a liquid wrench, which or liquid wrench lubricating, you know, it's it's there's differences between a rust buster type of n- nut penetrant loosener and a and a lubricant loosener, and you know so on. Um, you know, if you read the can, a, a, a rust buster has actually less lubricant in it and more of a soaking penetrant type of an oil that can creep we i forget who it was we had a guy on the show it must have been four or five years ago it was a fascinating interview uh you know where and i don't know if you knew this and i didn't know it until he said it but they can actually measure 
how fur how fast certain penetrants, oils, and solvents creep along a surface and permeate and work their way into whatever it is we've got them sprayed on. Okay. Which is, I was like, wow, I never thought of it like that. He said, yeah. He said, you know, we, we actually designed certain things to have more penetrating power than lubricating power and certain things to have more rust-dissolving power than lubricating power. And then we combine those two together and we make it a rust-penetrant solution. I said, okay. So, and, yeah, I'll uh, give that a try. So I'm thinking, and you're thinking also, try the easy stuff first without right. tearing stuff apart. Right. Yeah, I would think. Uh, I, I, would, I would spray that coupling... Pay in particular, you know, it looks like two U joints together on a shaft, right? Exactly. So yep. Yep. I would I would try and focus on the area where the cap of the joint meets the body of the joint, and just give it a little spritz, 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 spritz. Four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and let it sit. And then if you okay. want, you know, if it's up on jack stands, however you want to get to it, turn the wheel 180 and get to the backside and let it sit. You're in no rush. Winter's coming, brother. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely in storage now. So yeah. I'll, I'll try the, hard, the easy, and then, like you say, the only real uh, maintenance to this is to take the rack out. There's a plastic or a brass bushing you can get to replace the plastic and do right. an inner tie rod, right. and that's really about it. Right, and that's it. And then uh, I, I would be surprised if it's not the coupling, but let's see what happens. Promise you'll call me back. Let me know what happens. I will. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. You're very welcome. You take good care. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's cruising back right after this. Bonnie, the car doctor here, just kind of winding it down this hour. So I guess walking into a repair shop, it's all about how you're treated, the basics, how you're treated, how are they equipped, what are their ratings, what are their rankings, and ask a lot of questions and don't be afraid to. And, you know... A good repair shop, anybody worth their salt, they're going to have that extra five minutes for that first-time customer. You know, walking into a repair shop is a lot like walking into a doctor or a dentist's office the first time. There's always a lot of questions. It's got to be expected. And it's up to you to allow for some extra time. And if you walk into them cold and they don't have the time to talk to you at that moment, you've got to understand that, too, because there's a give and a take. You could be walking in on a busy Monday morning when they've got 10 more cars than they planned, or you could be walking in on them on a Friday afternoon when they've got to get seven more cars out than they had expected in the first place. So there's always that moment of what if and how. I think it's about the long-term relationship, though, too, because a repair shop is always trying to promote that long-term relationship. And um, what can they do to you know, rise to the occasion? And they've always got to kind of have that on the back of their minds. Now... It's not always about price. It's not always about being the cheapest. It's 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 all of these things rolled into one. That's part of what makes a good repair shop. And it's also how well prepared is that repair shop for the future? Are they are they constantly training? You know, people tell me all the time, they love to hear, I'll leave a message on the machine, hey, we're leaving early on Wednesday at 4 o'clock instead of 5 because we've got class to go to tonight. And some people in the past have said, class, you're still going to class? <laughs> what are you kidding? I'm always going to class. It's uh, it's nonstop reading if you want to be in this business. But yeah, my last mechanic didn't go to class. What happened to him? Well, he went out of business. Well, there you go. There's your answer. So, you know, sometimes it's the little things that you hear that make you realize and appreciate what it is and why it is that mechanic is doing what he's doing. And um, it's not always about price. It's about, you know, can they get the job done and fix the car in a proper manner. Hey, till the next time, I'm Ron Anani, the car doctor, reminding each and every one of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.